Welcome to Bitcoin Sermons, the podcast that preaches how Bitcoin is connected to the coming of Jesus. It's a fascinating topic, and I think it's like the elephant in the room that not many are really talking about, even though it's so obvious. Well, whether you're a Bitcoiner or a Christian or both, this podcast has something for you. I've been looking forward to today's episode all week because it's really exciting what has happened or what is happening at this time. And it started for me this week when a video came across my feed that caught my attention. And this video opened a whole line of understanding for me that dovetails with things that I wrote about in the year 2012 about the relocation of the judgment of God. And this is obviously a subject that is connected to the coming of Jesus. And what excited me at the moment I saw this video was the fact that it shows that the coming of Jesus is here. Now, that's a lot to claim up front, but I trust that it will be an exciting adventure for you as we unpack these things and you see what this is all about. So, this week has also seen a drop in the Bitcoin price. Pretty substantial drop from the 30000 range that it was in for quite some time down to around the 26000 area. And I don't really have much to say about that, but I just wanted to mention it as something perhaps significant that happened this week. Okay, so let's jump right into the subject here. The video that caught my attention was a video from a YouTube channel that I had never seen before. It's called Bitcoin Capitalist, and the name is an obvious take on nomad capitalist, uh, at least so it seems to me. But the character of the channel is quite a bit different, and obviously it's Bitcoin-focused. But that's not what caught my attention. What caught my attention is what the video was about. And so what I'm going to do for you is just play the video, and the audio is the most important part. Along with it, he shows images and videos of what he's talking about. But basically, it's all in the audio. And it's just a one minute short. And I'm just going to play that for you in its entirety. And then I'll explain what all that triggered for me. Okay, so here we go. The most profitable place in the world to mine Bitcoin is Paraguay, which is located in the heart of South America. Why Paraguay? Because Bitcoin mining's biggest cost is energy and Paraguay has plenty. The Itapu Dam is the second largest hydroelectric dam in the world, which produces more energy than Paraguay could ever consume. Paraguay shares this dam with Brazil. For years, Paraguay has been selling its unused energy back to Brazil for pennies on the dollar because they had no way to export the energy. Along comes Bitcoin, which can mine energy and turn it into Bitcoin and export it anywhere in the world, thus making an incredible industry opportunity for 
Bitcoin mining, and Paraguay also. Paraguay's electricity costs are less than $0.05 cents a kilowatt hour. So if you're interested in Bitcoin mining or hosting in Paraguay, check out the Bitcoin Capitalist link in the bio. All right. So that was it. I saw that video and it just clicked with me instantly because I had heard some time ago that miners were setting up in Paraguay. And at first I didn't believe it because I was aware that Paraguay had attempted to pass some kind of regulation in the past and basically it didn't go through and it left the country in somewhat of legal confusion in regards to Bitcoin mining because of the lack of regulation. And so I was like others skeptical as to whether this information about miners setting up in Paraguay was actually accurate information or not, or perhaps it was old information from before the legal efforts had taken place. And so to see a fresh wave, and I'll call it that, a wave of miners coming to Paraguay really began to catch my attention. And I can name several just off of the top of my head. I think at least three I can just name off of the top of my head. And there are surely more companies that are actually moving their mining operations, at least some of their mining operations, to Paraguay. And this video from Bitcoin Capitalist caught my attention just because of its clarity in just putting it out there point blank in your face. Look, Paraguay is the best place in the world for Bitcoin mining. Now, if you understand how mining works in the Bitcoin ecosystem, then you understand that that has a lot of implications. And I'm not sure really how to unpack all this, where to even begin. But I guess let's begin with what struck me the hardest immediately. What really just made me go, wow, Jesus is coming. And that's the fact that one of the reasons why miners are looking for the best place in the world to do Bitcoin mining is because the mining landscape is changing and it's about to change in a step function when the halving comes in the spring of next year. So just to be clear for everyone, people might have different levels of understanding. So just to be clear for everyone, the way that Bitcoin mining works is that you have a number of Bitcoin miners, which are basically computers. You have to plug them in. They take electricity and then they do computations. And in doing these computations, they are able to unlock. They are paid in Bitcoin for solving these computations. And that Bitcoin then is the revenue for the mining operation, which then has to pay its bills, its electricity bills, particularly also the cost of the miners themselves, the maintenance, the facilities costs, all that's involved in operating the business. And several companies are doing what they call hosting, which basically means they do sort of all the industrial work of the Bitcoin mining, but retail, you could say investors, buy the miners 
and then they host the miners in their facilities, and then the revenue goes either in whole or in part to the investor, who then is responsible for paying some sort of subscription or hosting fees or categorize it however you will uh, to the hosting company to cover the electricity and the maintenance and, and all these things. And so it allows the mining operation to sort of be not outsourced, but in a sort of way insourced in such a way that anyone out there, any individual can just buy a single miner or a number of miners according to their desire and ability and then uh, let the hosting company sort of take care of the technological work, so to speak. And so that's basically how it works. But why does it matter that this is coming to Paraguay? Why are these miners coming to Paraguay? Well, there are a couple of reasons. Okay, some were explained in the video. Simply the fact that energy is cheap because of the huge dam. But there's more to it than that. It's also a source of clean energy. And some of the hosting companies that are moving here are doing so specifically to take advantage of ESG money that is sort of freely available to corporations or businesses that are oriented around clean energy and sort of you know, environmental causes. And so that is one of the reasons, that is one of the factors that makes Bitcoin mining in Paraguay profitable. It's the fact that it's being subsidized by ESG money. And this alone, I think, is fascinating and intriguing at how God is sort of turning the tables. He's using what I would consider the enemy's playing hand against him. And let me just kind of explain that a little bit. I, I do speak about it in my other episodes. So if you've been listening for a while, you probably understand where this is going. But just let me put it in clear context here in this episode that the powers that be in the fiat financial world in the existing financial system, the powers that be are executing a massive campaign to redistribute wealth. And the way they're doing that is by inflation, by printing money, crazy amounts of money. And we saw this under the guise or excuse of COVID that trillions were printed just out of thin air ostensibly to help with the COVID crisis and whatever, okay? And all these trillions of dollars were then funneled, since they were printed by the powers that be, it is also the powers that be that distribute those funds. And the way they do that is through the legal constructs that are built up for this purpose, okay? Congress passes laws, for example, that decide which businesses are going to be eligible for receiving COVID help, you know. And through all these kinds of legal arrangements and everything, that money is funneled into companies that are in alignment with the agenda of the powers that be. 
in, the, in, in this example with COVID, for example. Or a more enduring example is ESG, okay? Or uh, you could go in the direction of tolerance. All the ideologies of the modern world government powers are sort of factored in to where this printed money goes. And this exorbitant amount of printed money, when that funnels back into the economy through these designated channels that are in alignment with the power structures that exist, when that money gets back into society, it causes inflation, okay? And which is nothing other than a devaluation of the currency. And so the end effect is that the value of the money is decreased in the pockets of everyone, of the entire population, but only a select few receive the benefits of all that printed money that goes into the economy. And if you as, a, as an individual worker, for example, want to benefit from that, then you have to ultimately find employment with one of these companies that directly or indirectly is benefiting from the ESG money or the, the COVID money or the money that's printed out of thin air. And that's how the redistribution of wealth works. And that's how the powers that be are bringing the whole world into slavery to their agenda. It doesn't appear like slavery because every individual worker seems to have freedom of will, freedom of choice and everything. But the reality is that the economics of the situation make it such that the individual will either die in poverty because of the devaluation of the currency, or they will have to find work in the channels that support the agenda of the new world, which includes things that might be unconscionable to an individual depending on their own personal persuasions and beliefs, particularly religious beliefs, okay? And so this is a moral problem here as well as simply a problem of freedom. So redistribution of wealth is a huge thing that's happening right now and most people don't even realize it. The Pope speaks about it openly. He, he presents his agenda in front of the world at the United Nations General Assembly, as he did in, in 2015. And the, you know, the whole world hears these things, but it isn't necessarily broken down and made clear to the whole world how it is being implemented. And that's why I've kind of belabored that point here and why I uh, talk about that in my episodes is because that needs to be understood by everyone. How money works, how the redistribution of wealth is taking place right now. <laughs> it's already been taking place for, for several years on a massive scale. That needs to be understood as well as the solution to it, which is Bitcoin, which is sound money, money that cannot be inflated. And no, gold is not the solution. Silver is not the solution. The only money that cannot be inflated is Bitcoin because it is programmed to have a hard limit 
and nothing can change that because of the distributed nature of the Bitcoin network. As long as, for the most part, those participating in the network are good, decent, honest people who understand that redistribution of wealth is theft and that that is not to be allowed. And therefore, the hard cap of the Bitcoin network must be defended at all ethical costs, then that's what keeps Bitcoin secure as a form of money, secure and valuable as good money, the best money in the world today. And the money that is honest and has all of these good properties that in this podcast we've been seeing align with the kingdom of God. So that's kind of a mouthful. And let's bring that back to the point now. We were talking about why people are coming to Paraguay for Bitcoin mining and what the implications of that are and why the ESG money is making it profitable for businesses to relocate to Paraguay because in that way, they're able to take advantage of the government subsidies that promote environmental activities. And so the irony of it and the way that God is turning the tables, I just find fascinating that the ESG money is, is the, the money that the governments have stolen from the people of the world through the money printing of all nations and that ESG money that they have stolen and then that they're pouring into ostensibly good causes of, you know, that support the environment, that money then is ultimately finding its way into the mining industry and being transformed into Bitcoin, into the money of the kingdom of God. So in that way, Bitcoin mining in Paraguay is quite literally becoming the black hole that sucks in fiat money and then produces Bitcoin, which is the money of the kingdom of God. And this appearance of this black hole is somewhat prophetic. Many people talk about a black hole, perhaps orbiting in our solar system somewhere, accounting for disturbances that cannot otherwise be explained. A lot of people are talking about that. Even in my own efforts, uh, writing on the topic of Bitcoin in the article Reward Her Double, I described how Bitcoin functions as a black hole. And to see that functioning, to see that black hole literally coming to Paraguay is quite fascinating. And it's quite amazing to me how God is literally taking the efforts of the enemy to redistribute wealth, and he is doing his own redistribution of wealth, so to speak, by taking that clean energy money, ESG money, and funneling that into the production of Bitcoin. And now, when you take this video that I played for you, and you take that message to heart, that Paraguay is the best place in the world for Bitcoin mining. That's what he said. I'm not saying that. He said that as a, as a miner running a profitable business. That's what he says, okay? He says that Paraguay is the best place in the world 
for Bitcoin mining. And if you take that to heart and you ask yourself, well, what does that mean? Well, it means that all of the mining in the world, the global mining that he refers to, is going to be looking to Paraguay, either looking to come to Paraguay or looking to, in some way, follow the example of what's happening in Paraguay. And you can see this happening as many mining companies are focusing on hydroelectric energy sources, not solar, not wind, because those energy sources, although they may be clean, they are unreliable. The sun doesn't shine every day and the wind doesn't blow every day. But a hydroelectric plant runs 24-7 all the time. The water pretty much never ceases to flow. And so that makes it the ideal energy source, the ideal clean energy source. And so that's a big deal. And that Paraguay, a relatively unknown and insignificant country, has such a valuable resource is really kind of a David and Goliath thing. And to see Paraguay playing some kind of a role in the transformation of the financial system through Bitcoin and through the way this ESG money is getting funneled into Bitcoin is really quite fascinating and quite amazing to see play out. And I'm looking forward to watching that and how it goes. But that's only one aspect of the situation here. There's so much more to it. Now, one of the things you hear in regards to mining and sort of the current uh, climate in the, in the mining industry is that people are pretty worried right now because, um, in fact, you, you can see it in some headlines or, or titles where they say, you know, mining is still profitable in 2023, you know, and the sentiment, the, the, the thought that's being expressed there is that, you know, guys, take advantage of the, uh, of the rest of this year because next year mining isn't going to be profitable anymore. And something is going to change. And that's the step function that I mentioned, that in the spring of next year, the halving is going to come. The way the mining actually works on a sort of market level is that anyone who wants to do a Bitcoin transaction submits their transaction to the network along with a fee that they're willing to pay for that transaction to be processed. So... It's kind of like the free market version of how Visa or MasterCard works. Okay, normally Visa or MasterCard, you simply pay a fee for every transaction. And that fee is set by Visa or MasterCard. Okay, but in contrast to that centralized system, the way Bitcoin works on a decentralized basis is that you simply, you as the one doing the transaction, set the fee. And you say, this is the fee I'm willing to pay for my transaction. And then you put it out there in the, mar in the market, in the global market for Bitcoin transactions. And then any miner can pick up that transaction and say, oh yeah, that's a good price. I will do your transaction for you at that price. And then they will process that transaction in their next block. And the price that you attach to your transaction, as well as the fees of 
all the other transactions that are included in the same block, those fees then go into the reward for the Bitcoin miner who processes all those transactions. And that's partly how they get paid. But that's sort of the long-term scenario. And it works, as you can see, on free market principles. And if you want your transaction to be processed quickly, then you attach a high enough price. And if you um, don't attach a high enough price, your transaction won't get processed quickly or perhaps not at all. And so that's just how the free market works. And it's a beautiful system. And it ensures that the fees that are being paid for the transactions are fair. Yes, they might be high at times, but it's because the network is experiencing a lot of traffic. And so those who need to do their transactions urgently pay for that. And those who don't maybe can wait for a more optimal time. And it's simply market dynamics at work. And it's a beautiful system. And it's not arbitrary or centralized or under central control like the fees of Visa or MasterCard, for example. So that's kind of how it works on the sort of long-term basis. But on the short-term basis, the way that Bitcoin has been working up to this time is that the total number of Bitcoins have been in the process of being issued since the inception of Bitcoin back in 2009. And since the first transaction, there is a system in place in the software, in the code, that releases or introduces or issues Bitcoin as part of this mining of blocks or processing of transactions. So there are actually two sources of income for the miners. One is the transaction fees that I talked about, which operate on the free market principles. And the other is the issuance of Bitcoin. So there will only ever be 21 million Bitcoins. And those 21 million Bitcoins have been in the process of issuance, however you want to call it, they've been being produced according to a fixed schedule. As blocks are mined, these bitcoins are introduced or released or produced or however you want to talk about it. They're issued onto the network to the miners, through the miners, as they process the transactions of the network and mine the blocks into which those transactions go. And up to this point, their primary source of income has actually been this block subsidy, as it's so-called which simply means that every block that the miner mines comes with a fixed amount of Bitcoins with it that's issued onto the network for the first time, virgin Bitcoin. And these virgin Bitcoins then are the reward for the miner. And alongside that is this relatively comparatively small amount of income that comes from the fees, from the transaction fees themselves. But the thing about these block rewards is that they are halved every, about every four years, according to the halving schedule that's incorporated in the Bitcoin code. And so this halving schedule, which is fixed in code, which cannot be changed, is in part what imposes the hard cap of 21 million Bitcoins. Or uh, you could just say that it 
sees to it that the 21 million bitcoins are issued sort of in a exponentially decreasing manner over the course of time, you know, having this sort of half-life every four years. It's not a smooth decrease as a half-life is normally thought of, but every four years, there's a step change, a halving in the number of Bitcoins that are included in the block reward. And so this is the halving that Bitcoiners talk about, you know, that comes every four years. And this is what is coming up in the spring of 2024. Okay, so (laughs) that was a lot of explanation, but I think necessary to really understand why what's happening right now is so significant and why the upcoming halving in the spring of 2024 is a game changer, unlike any other halving in the history of Bitcoin and unlike any future halving after this. So what is happening with this halving is that because of the step change, because of the fact that mining rewards are going to go literally overnight from profitable, remember those headlines, Bitcoin mining is still profitable in 2023. We're going to be transitioning from a time when Bitcoin mining on the basis of block rewards, which is the primary income of the miners, much more than the transaction fees, that block reward is going to be cut in half and suddenly overnight, Bitcoin mining is no longer going to be profitable. That means literally miners are going to go out of business. Some are already going out of business just because they're not keeping up and not taking advantage of not doing everything necessary to stay profitable in 2023. But that's going to happen on a much larger scale come 2024. Mining companies are going to go out of business. Miners are going to go out of business. And this means that the global hash rate is going to go down because people can't keep their miners online profitably. And it's going to change the whole dynamic of the mining landscape. And I'm no expert on these things, okay? I I wish that others would sort of kind of elucidate these things and, and, and really kind of study this out and present it and make it clear better than I can. But I can just look at the obvious things and just kind of say, look, this is the obvious thing, and this is what you should pay attention to and, you know, draw your own conclusions and and see what this means to you. But the obvious thing is this, that we're going to go overnight from a climate where mining was profitable to a climate where mining will no longer be profitable under the same circumstances. And that means that the circumstances are going to have to change. So in the former scenario, basically, because mining was inherently profitable, all you had to do was you had to get a miner at a good price and just start mining and and get energy at a good price. Okay. And as long as you could do that, you could just keep growing your hash rate. You could just keep buying more miners. You could just keep producing more miners and selling them. The whole dynamic was around building hash rate. And you could see the hash rate just taking an exponential curve upward, basically, over the past years. And that is what's going to change. 
because once mining is no longer profitable in the same scenario, then all of a sudden the, the dynamics are going to change. The pressures of this market are going to change. And it's no longer going to be about producing the next best miner and, you know, that's going to be automatic profitability. No, it's not going to work that way anymore. And that's where I can't really see how that will turn out and where that's going to go. But the obvious thing is that miners that don't do something to improve their business are going to go out of business. And that means hash rate's going to go offline. And when hash rate goes offline, then those who are able to stay in the market, who are able to keep their miners online, who are able to still make a profit or at least not close their doors, those ones are going to benefit. They're going to get a larger share of the global hash rate as other miners go out of business. And so it creates the pressure in this highly competitive industry that's going to basically select who survives and who doesn't, okay? And those who survive are going to be the ones who take advantage of the best possible circumstances for mining, the best clean energy resources, the lowest energy prices, the most sustainable, all this stuff. And that's what the video was saying is Paraguay. So <laughs> that was kind of a long-winded way to say that starting in 2024, all things being equal, and, I, and I'm going to talk about that date in particular in a little bit um, more and what that has to do with the coming of Jesus. But I just want to say from a sort of secular business as usual kind of point of view, putting religious convictions aside, just from a business standpoint, starting in spring of 2024 with the halving, the mining industry is going to start shifting to Paraguay. Those in other places are going to go out of business and those in Paraguay are going to thrive because they're going to increase their share of the global hash rate. And in the end, if you follow that to the extreme of where would that lead, that ultimately says that in the long term, Paraguay is going to become the capital of Bitcoin mining for the world based on what Bitcoin capitalist is saying in his video that Paraguay is the best place in the world to mine Bitcoin. If that's true, then wow. And that is where I just, you know, that realization, everything I just said in this episode so far kind of went through my mind in a, in a fraction of a second. Because when you know these things, you just know it. It's not, you know, it doesn't have to be explained because you just know these things. I'm explaining it here for those who haven't thought about it and haven't connected the dots, you know, already so that these things are just obvious. But for me, it, that was in a split second that I just understood, wow, that's what this means. But there's still so much more to say about this. Now, in 2012, I wrote articles about the relocation of the judgment. And I've spoken a lot in previous episodes about what Bitcoin has to do with judgment day. And so you can look at previous episodes to kind of get more insight on that. But Bitcoin, because of its properties as hard money, it's bringing justice 
to the world through the financial system. And ultimately, every other kind of currency is going to sort of be brought into line or devalued away in relationship to Bitcoin because of Bitcoin's hard money aspects. So just to put it in quite simple terms, as other monies in the world are printed and printed and printed by the powers that be, they lose their value. But Bitcoin doesn't. Bitcoin keeps its value because of its fixed hard cap and that there will never, ever be more than 21 million Bitcoin in the world. And so because of that hard cap, it's a money that never inflates. It never suffers from inflation. And it's actually, in a certain sense, deflationary because there are factors that take Bitcoin out of circulation. And that actually makes it even more valuable. The more Bitcoin is taken out of circulation and the more precious the remaining Bitcoin becomes, the more scarce it becomes, the more valuable it becomes. So it's actually a deflationary currency. It's the opposite of the fiat currencies. And so this characteristic brings justice. Bitcoin brings justice to the world through the financial system. And this is this parallels or is connected to the justice that Jesus Christ is bringing with his return. You know, Jesus came to the world once to bring mercy, and he's coming again to bring justice. He came the first time to give his life as an atonement to reconcile us to God, but he comes the second time to bring the reward to the wicked and to the righteous and to take the righteous to him and to leave the wicked to suffer under the iron rod of infinite justice, which is Bitcoin. And so Bitcoin brings the justice of God, the judgment of God upon the fiat world in the financial sense. So it's very much connected to judgment day as the bible speaks about it and even in the timing with the invention of bitcoin and its beginning of operation in 2009 all through the past number of years this has all paralleled the spiritual aspects of the judgment of god as it has been unfolding over that same time period and in 2012 I had the privilege of writing some articles about that. In particular, um, I would refer to one called Change of Venue, which refers to the relocation of the court proceedings in the judgment of God from the Northern Hemisphere to the Southern Hemisphere. And in particular, from sort of the religious seat in the North to the religious seat in the South, which was identified at that time as Paraguay. And this is exactly what we see happening in sort of the Bitcoin world as well. And anyone who has been following the Bitcoin space very much can understand that Bitcoin itself represents that same shift from Northern Hemisphere to Southern Hemisphere. In the Bitcoin world, the global south is often spoken of because of the impact 
that Bitcoin is having in places like Africa. In many countries in Africa, Bitcoin is the solution to the people's problems. Countries that have been under colonial rule from decades past to this very day through financial oppression are being liberated by Bitcoin. And Bitcoin is especially helping the poorer countries of the world, and which tend to be in Africa or South America, hence the global south. So this change of venue from northern hemisphere to southern hemisphere that happened in the religious world is now also, or through Bitcoin, has also been happening in the financial world. And if the future would go on indefinitely and you could see into the future, you wouldn't see the United States as the most powerful nation. You wouldn't see Washington, D.C. as the most powerful city, the sort of Western counterpart of ancient Rome. No, no, no. What you would see is a capital in the South, in Paraguay. And that is something that today you can see taking shape through the way that Bitcoin miners are migrating to Paraguay. And I want to point out that this is something that is driven by God. It's driven by nature, by the waterfall, by what is on some counts the largest waterfall in the world where the voice of God comes from. God is the creator and he made this planet and the shape of the terrain is the work of his hands. And so what is happening here by the forces of nature is the work of God and nobody can change that. Nobody can change the course of the waterfall. It's going to have its effect. Nobody can stop the waterfall. Nobody can stop the voice of God. And this is so deep, okay? And I want to refer you to another article. I've mentioned several articles in this episode so far that are related to this topic. And here's another one. It's called, appropriately, The Voice of God. And it speaks about the waterfall and its connection to the change of venue and the geography of Paraguay. And so that's an important one to study in relation to this topic. And it was even alluded to or referred to in one of the recent publications that I mentioned, I think, in the last episode, um, The Melody of God's Law, which spoke about the harp as the national instrument of Paraguay, which was just recently brought back to mind through a sculpture that was erected. And so all these things are related. And, and the fact that this is happening now is very significant. And the fact that the having, which is so connected to this, to this relocation of Bitcoin miners to Paraguay, the fact that the having is coming in, in the spring of next year is, I believe, extremely related this turning point, this step change in the way that the mining economy is going to work from that time going forward. It's going to be a different market. It's going to be a different business. And suddenly, gradually then suddenly, as the Bitcoiners say, this is where the suddenly begins. Suddenly, Paraguay is going to become the center of the world. Wow, wow, wow. I tell you, I know because of having written many of these articles and, and having studied these things for a long time, especially on the religious side, 
And now on the Bitcoin side, there's so much here that it really moves me to understand these things. And I don't know if I can convey even a fraction of that in this episode. But study, study the articles that I refer to and study Bitcoin because it's connected very much to the kingdom of God. It's part of the kingdom of God. It's foundational to the kingdom of God here on earth. And it's connected inextricably to the second coming of Jesus Christ. And when you look up and you read the articles and you understand the signs in heaven and what is playing out there, then you understand that the migration of Bitcoin miners to Paraguay is a sign. It's a sign that accompanies the sign of the Son of Man and that shows that the coming of Jesus is here or near. You know, time is so short. And, okay, so another direction I wanted to take this is there was another article published recently, I think this week, that I read and I just wanted to comment on a little bit. So let me kind of switch gears and go into that now. It's called Thrust in Thy Sickle. And essentially what it does is it talks about the last harvest spoken of in the book of Revelation. And it brings that into perspective and kind of sets the time frames for that. And I think you'll find that extremely insightful and fascinating in regards to the timing of the Bitcoin halving and this relocation of Bitcoin miners to Paraguay, this beginning of a relocation, what we're seeing today, I think, are just the early birds, so to speak, the ones who are recognizing that, hey, if we're going to stay profitable, we've got to go where we can stay profitable. And they're coming to Paraguay today. But there are many who haven't caught on yet. And I expect that in the coming months leading up to the halving, that basically miners are going to be cramming to Paraguay. And this is partly, I think, what Bitcoin capitalist anticipates and why he calls himself Bitcoin capitalist and why he offers consulting services to those who want to relocate, especially to Paraguay. I think that's really insightful is that, you know, it's not just me making this stuff up. There's actually somebody with a business case who's betting his business on the fact that people are going to be moving to Paraguay in large numbers, or at least large enough to make a profitable business out of counseling people on that. And so what we're seeing this week is just the early birds for those who will be migrating in the coming months. At least that's my thought on it. And so this article about the final harvest and about particularly the grape harvest, the harvest of wrath, which represents the judgment of God upon the wicked. This is very much connected in its time frames to what we've talked about in this episode. And so I just can highly recommend that article. I won't go through all of it, but I do want to just emphasize that it's extremely relevant, extremely relevant to what we've been talking about and to the time frames, and particularly to the time frame of the having and why that is so significant in relation to the coming of Jesus Christ. So please, we talk a lot about Bitcoin in this podcast, 
and about how the principles of Bitcoin are in alignment and in some way connected to the kingdom of God because, in a sense, the financial law is part of the law of the kingdom. And so to see how that's playing out here on earth through Bitcoin is one aspect. But in all your study of Bitcoin, do not neglect the spiritual aspects, the spiritual things that are connected to it. Because ultimately, Jesus Christ is a personal savior and Bitcoin can't save you. It might, in some circumstances, save you financially, but it won't save you eternally. You need to get to know Jesus Christ. You need to learn from him. And Bitcoin might be able to help you do that, but it could also be a stumbling block. You know, the Bible says of Jesus Christ that he is a rock. He's solid. He's firm. He's trustworthy. He's not going anywhere. He will change you, but you won't change him. That's what people say about Bitcoin. Bitcoin changes you. You don't change Bitcoin. Well, but the Bible says about the rock, Jesus Christ, that those who fall on the rock and are broken, those who are changed by Jesus Christ, we could say those who are changed by Bitcoin also, those who are changed by Jesus Christ, those will be saved. But those who don't change, the rock will fall on them and crush them. They will be destroyed. Jesus Christ himself in justice with all rightness, with all right, will destroy the wicked. And that's kind of how Bitcoin works as well. If it changes you, if it makes you a better person, then that's a good thing. But if it doesn't change you, if you still hold on to your greed, if you still stay selfish, if you still have love of money, that is to say, love of mammon, then whether you are wealthy or not, in Bitcoin terms or fiat terms or any terms is ultimately irrelevant because life is short. Life is extremely short, perhaps shorter than you know, and nothing is more valuable than life itself. That's what Bitcoin represents. It represents that scarcity, the scarcity of life itself. And if you don't form a character that's compatible with the kingdom of heaven, then that rock is going to destroy you forever. But those who are broken by Jesus Christ, those who turn away from their sins, those who repent, they will find in him a savior, one who is able to even grant eternal life, to even give the most precious gift that man could ever imagine, an infinite supply of the most finite resource that exists. And that is the time of one's life. So these are really, really deep topics, deep spiritual topics. And one thing that I wanted to mention um, that I came across in this article is the connection that was made to life. Let me just find that really quick. It was talking about the symmetry of the sickles. <clears throat> and you can read the article to kind of get into what that was about. But it says the symmetry of the two sickles illustrates the self-similarity reminiscent of the Pythagorean tree of life and the spiral arms of the galactic holy city. This is referring to another article, and uh, you can find the links to that right here in this article, Thrust in Thy Sickle. And the Pythagorean tree of life is one that I had the privilege of making the images for that article. 
and actually drawing the Pythagorean tree. And interestingly, it was constructed with blocks. It was a tree of life constructed with blocks, okay? And in a certain way, we've talked about in previous episodes how Bitcoin is life in the sense that it is time and it is as precious as the time of one's life itself. As limited as life is, that's the only thing we can really compare Bitcoin to. We can only say, well, it's finite. How finite? Well, it's as finite as my life. As sure as my life has a limit, my lifespan has a limit, that's how sure there is a limit to the number of Bitcoin that will ever be printed. That's how scarce it is. That's how precious it is. It's as precious as life itself. And if I, if the efforts of my life are to be compensated in a currency that captures the value of my life in the sight of God, that can only be in the form of Bitcoin. No other money that can be stolen, that can be inflated, that can be uh, duplicated, no other money can capture accurately the value of life itself and the energies that we as living beings bring to the world. No other monetary system can do that except Bitcoin. It is, in a sense, a tree of life, a Pythagorean tree of life built with blocks, just like the pictures that were used in the article that is referred to here. And so by making that connection, I just want to say that Bitcoin is inextricably connected to the things of God. It has in its structure the principles of God's kingdom. And I'll tell you, it goes much further. It goes much deeper. But how much can I cover in one episode? Yeah, not that much in reality. So I hope this episode has been a blessing to you. And I always feel like I haven't done it justice. But I hope that it has encouraged you in some way. And in particular, what really, really touched me and motivated me and gave me hope and assurance of Christ's return was the fact that this migration of miners to Paraguay is happening right now. It's beginning. The gathering is beginning. The gathering of the final harvest is beginning. And it's the gathering for judgment. Bitcoin is the system of financial judgment that's coming to the world. It's the grape harvest. It's the gathering of the harvests as this article, Thrust in Thy Sickle, talks about. And it's not just and just in case anything I have said in this episode might seem contradictory in any way to what has been presented in the article, that's not my intention at all. And I certainly don't see it that way myself. I see it as being in complete harmony and giving evidence in the world, here on earth, in Paraguay, for the hope that we have had since as far back as 2012, even going back to 2010, even going back to the year Bitcoin started, the hope that we've had in the coming of Jesus Christ is confirmed by what Bitcoin is doing here on earth. And when you look up to heaven and you see what God is doing in the heavens, then you can understand how all this fits in time. And you can have the assurance, too, that God is doing an amazing thing and that Bitcoin is part of that and that you can also be part of it, too, by aligning yourself with Bitcoin, by being changed from the fiat system, from the fiat thinking, 
into the Bitcoin system and thinking. And, you know, interestingly, if you just look at it from sort of a financial flow point of view, when miners move to Paraguay and when Paraguay becomes the center of Bitcoin mining for the world, then that means that new Bitcoin, which is produced not only through block rewards, but also through the transaction fees of the network, as this dynamic of these two sources, uh, income sources for miners plays out, that income is coming to Paraguay, to the miners of Paraguay. And so what this means is that Paraguay is going to become the distribution point of all Bitcoin in the future, if in sort of the hypothetical future of what would the world look like in the mind's eye, Paraguay would be the capital, would be the source where all money originates. The source, the fountain of wealth for the whole world. That is amazing. And it's an amazing fulfillment of prophecy and of the spiritual understanding that has developed over the past number of years. And that's all going to come to light now as Bitcoin takes the stage here and brings attention to Paraguay. It's inevitable that the truth of God that also originates in Paraguay will in like manner be disseminated to the world, just as the financial pattern kind of illustrates. But if you miss the coming of Jesus, it won't matter. And therefore, now is the time to repent. And now is the time to come to the Lord and come into his fold and make peace with God before his iron rod meets out infinite justice to the unbelieving world. I think we'll call that an episode. Oh, and I guess I just did want to mention also that I thought it was quite fitting that this all happened in time for my 12th episode. I didn't plan that. I couldn't have planned that. But, you know, I was kind of thinking in the back of my mind, oh, it's going to be the 12th episode. I wonder if there's some topic that would relate to the number 12, you know, the apostles, the covenant or what. And now I see what it was that this week that the Lord provided for you is to hear a message about how he is fulfilling his covenant, his promise that's all encapsulated in this relocation of the judgment to Paraguay and ultimately of the salvation that's coming to his people at this time that's illustrated through Bitcoin and the coming halving that's unlike any other halving that literally represents the end of an era, the end of block subsidies that make mining profitable and the beginning of a new era of infinite justice when the people of God will be with him in the city and the wicked will be outside the city. So, uh, yeah, what a beautiful message about the covenant, which is symbolized by the number 12, and about how God is fulfilling his covenant to liberate his people, just as he did when he brought them into the land of Canaan, that today we are on the brink of the heavenly Canaan. And I say, with Joshua and Caleb, (laughs) go up and possess the land. You're more than able to conquer it in the power of God because he is with you. And you can see that that power in the forces of nature that are literally drawing Bitcoin miners, drawing the wealth of the world to Paraguay. Wow, wow, wow. What can I say? This has been an amazing topic. 
And it's just a blessing for me to share these things with you. As always, if the podcast was a blessing to you today, consider supporting it and sharing it with others you think would be blessed by it. So until next time, stay sane in this crazy world. Keep looking up and let your confidence be in Jesus Christ as he leads the way to the heavenly Canaan, to a new and better world. God bless you.